Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. You guys know how much that He truly loves us? We can't comprehend that because it's beyond all measure. We have to be confident in the understanding. He loves us so much that He sent His only Son to actually die for us, to become our substitution. That's that's incredible. In a in a time that we live in right now, where everybody is so self-focused, and there's very little sacrifice for others we turn our eyes back to Jesus and we look to Jesus now and we look forward to Jesus and the love that he expresses for each one of us we need to understand that and we need to convey that same love father we are amazed at your love though there was separation you brought solution And in that solution came sacrifice. A sacrifice that was beyond all imagination. A death, an execution on the cross. But Lord, you loved us so much that you willingly went to that cross. And you bled and you died for each one of us. Lord, help us to never take that for for granted. Help us to never diminish the power, the intensity, and the beauty of your sacrifice. And and Lord, you didn't stay dead though. Though you had to die for that reconnection with the Father, you also had to live so that you could extend to us eternal life, life over death, the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. So we live in that today, Lord God, and we thank you for that. Lord, how can we not express our entire life humbly to you by giving you service? So Lord God, today as we we gather together here, help help us turn our eyes beyond ourself, to turn our eyes to you and what you see. And what you see is a harvest out there. A harvest of people who so desperately need you in their life. And how might they hear about you? Well, your chosen vessel is us. So Lord God, help us to get out of our own comfort zones. Get out of our own selfish desires. Walk away from our agendas. To love you and to love others. Jesus, we glorify you in this house today. We lift the mighty name of Jesus high and we proclaim that name, that beautiful name of Jesus upon our community. Yes, in fact, we do pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. You guys can be seated. You know, as we were worshiping today, and and I was looking up here at the communion stuff, communion's such a beautiful 
symbolic gesture. It's, it's got a lot of um, amazing connotations that are built in there. And, and so many people, when they see the, the, the trays, they get excited because we're having communion today, and that's a great, great thing. But here's the deal. Preparation before communion is as much or more important. So we need to be prepared. We're going to take communion at the end of the message like, like we always do, but I would invite you right now just to begin to prepare yourself for this communion. We don't want to take it in an unworthy manner. We don't want to disrespect it. We don't want to waste this, this communion time. So I just ask you right now, just listen to the Holy Spirit. Prepare yourself for, for having communion. We got a great message that goes in between, a challenging message. So please open yourself up for that challenge as well. I'm going to dismiss the kids. I'll dismiss the, the little ones. <clears throat> Go downstairs learn a lot, have fun. And then kids, we will have you back up for communion. So we always bring the kids back for communion. We like to do it as a church family. All right, a few quick announcements. We'll, we'll run through these pretty quick. Next Sunday is the last Sunday of the month, so it's last Sunday's potluck. So Please plan on attending that. Now, last week I said it, and I'm going to say it again. We are going to have some guests here next week, maybe up to 20 guests. So bring extra food, please. They're our guests. They're not going to bring any food. So we want to make sure we have enough food for them. So if you usually bring one crock pot full, maybe just bring one and a half, or you bring one casserole pan, bring two casserole pans, and, and the, I would say a few extra desserts, but we never seem to lack in the dessert. Um, bring a couple things. We just want to make sure we can be um, gracious to them and extend to them everything um, that our hospitality allows, and that usually is a whole lot. So please put that on your calendar. Plan to attend. If you've never been to a, a last Sundays, they're so much fun. It's at the end. We do service and then we all just go downstairs and we sit together, we laugh together, we eat together, we do all those things. The what? Clean, to, Amy says clean together. Um, all of that fun stuff, so please plan on attending that. Also, Wednesday nights are going to kick off again. Does that mean summer's over? It means summer's coming to an end. Um, so January 6th, we will start, start adult youth and kids all here on this campus starts at yes i said january wow i'm really ahead merry christmas september 6th january that no we're not starting in we'll be rocking and rolling in january september 6th we're ready to go 6 30 is when we start right Kick it off at 6.30? I think that's correct. All right. So Wednesday night's plan on that. Adults will be over in the upper level of the office building. Youth are underneath in the lower level of that, and kids are downstairs in this building. I'll have more on the adult classes coming up. We have several different ones. I get to teach the first one, so I get like the first six weeks. It's going to be 
Awesome. I haven't taught a Wednesday night in a while, so we'll make that good. And then finally, we are still in our food drive for our pantry. July and August is our food drive months. Um, if you need more information on that, if you want to continue, and you don't have to, if, it, if we tick into September, continue to give to our food pantry. We want to just continue to stock that. We expanded it. We over doubled the space. Now we want to fill that space up. So there's, there's handouts out there. There's flyers out there on the things that we're needing. Um, if they're on the sheet, we need it. If they're not on the sheet, we don't need it. We're not anti-Jolly Green Giant at all because we have plenty of Jolly Green Giant corn and green beans. So we have plenty of that. Um, it's the other things we need. So you can consult that um, and however you want to see fit to donate to that. All right, speaking of donating, giving, we have four ways to give here. You can give online at bridgehelena.com or through our app that basically takes you to somewhat of our website. You can text the amount to 84321. You can use our giving boxes. You can get the envelopes, designate it, write the check, stuff it with cash, whatever, or you can mail it to 725 Granite Avenue. Um, we love to give, don't we? And we are a giving church, and we just love that part of it. It's an it's a extended part of our worship, and it's an important part of our worship. It a, has a great deal to do with our humility and our trust and confidence in God, because, man, in this day and age, I don't want to trust my finances to myself or, or really any other institutions. I want to trust my finances with God, and that means allowing him to have those finances. And part of that is, is my tithes and also my offering. So if you have any questions ever on tithing, if you've never tried it before, if you want more information on it, grab me um, after service or some other time, and I would be more than happy to talk to you about the importance of worship, including the giving aspect. Amen? Amen? We are through that. We've got announcements done. That means it's time to get started with our message. You guys ready for this message? You don't even know what the message is unless you've been reading ahead. Since we're in this series on Colossians, it's, it's easy to read ahead. Um, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we got through chapter one. It took us nine weeks, but we made it. We started chapter two, and now we get to a portion in chapter two that's, that's pretty amazing. It's pretty challenging. It's just pretty great. So we're going we're gonna to jump into that. Let's pray before we get started and digging into scripture. Get your fingers warmed up. Get your, get your highlighters warmed up. Get ready to take some notes. Get ready to be challenged. Father, thank you that we can gather together in your house today with one another. And Lord God, we open up our arms. We open up our hearts. We extend your love to this community and invite anybody who wants to come in to come in. So today, Jesus, we are here to glorify you. But to glorify you, Lord God, sometimes that means to walk in your ways and to accept your challenges. For us to get over ourselves so that we can get to you. So Jesus, help us today in this challenge and, and help us to get there. Speak to, speak to our hearts. Lord God, we desire that. We are not afraid of your word. We're not afraid of your confirmation, your conviction. 
your challenge, Lord God. We seek those things so that we can become a little bit more like you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help me to speak what you have for me to speak, and only that, and everything else shut my mouth. And like I always pray, don't let anybody leave here today. Leave this sanctuary the same way that they walked in. Lord God, we, we expect a change. We welcome a change. We anticipate a change. We look forward to a change. So change us and don't let us walk out of here the same. We once again pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone shouted out, Amen. All right. So yes, this morning we are getting back into our series on Colossians. If you have missed any of these messages up to this point, you can get to them on YouTube, on Facebook, on our website, through our app. Um, because it's a series, of course, they build on each other. So if you have missed, it's always good to go back. Maybe you've, you've been here and there's just certain ones that you want to revisit. I would do that. I would also, because Colossians is, is such a relatively short book of the Bible, um, keep in it. Man, you can read that thing in a sitting. Just keep reading it over and over and over. And then when we come here together, we break it down um, kind of deeper and in more depth. Well, today, today we get to, an, to a passage that's really important for each and every one of us to hear and really, truly to apply into our lives. And it becomes a very powerful passage when we actually take what we hear and actually apply it into our life. Just because we read something in the Bible, just because we sit in church, just because we listen to a message and we shout and say, oh, that is so good, amen, that doesn't necessarily mean we're taking what we're hearing and actually applying it into our life. The power of the scripture is in the word, but it's in the word as it relates to how we apply it into our life. So let's take what we hear today and apply it into our life and watch how active and powerful that really becomes. And it really comes back to Romans 10.17. It really rings true with this, uh, with this verse today. Romans 10.17, you know it. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So today, together, individually, as a body, all those things together. Let's build our faith by listening to the Word of God, and let's take this passage and actually apply it, not just this morning while we are here listening and with our brothers and sisters in Christ shouting amen, but in our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. Every day we need to be applying these words. As our faith develops and our faith increases, our overall outlook even our worldview changes to one that is more aligned with Christ. Isn't that our desire? Shouldn't that be our desire that our worldview or overall outlook aligns with Christ? And having a Christ-centered outlook always transforms our attitude. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Man, even for seasoned believers, we can... Uh, we can just be going along good and then something happens and we're kind of out of the word. We're not praying as much as we, we should be and we begin to see our attitude slip, right? We seem to kind of go to places where we're just grouchy. 
Sometimes you just wake up grouchy, don't you? And sometimes you, you not only wake up grouchy, but you stay grouchy, and, and that's not a good thing, and you start criticizing and nitpicking every single thing. But when we center ourselves on Christ, when we go to prayer, when we go to the Word, when we, man, it's as easy as throwing on a Christian radio station and we begin hearing those positive words that are exalting Christ, our attitude actually transforms. It actually changes. If you don't believe me, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. It works. So today, as well as every day, let's look to the Word of God. Let's look to prayer. Let's look to worship. Let's look to all of those things to allow our attitudes to be humbled, to be placed in check, to become a little bit more like Jesus. And let's just see how different our world is, not only internally, but how we treat each other. See, when we have that transformed outlook... We are now hopeful instead of hopeless. We are alive, not lifeless. We are growing, not shrinking. And if that sounds good to you, I invite you today to actively open yourself to the Word and to actually apply it into your life. And as we will learn today, our walk, including our church attendance, cannot be something that we take casual or occasional or an erratic approach to. If you remember only one thing today, remember that. That our faith, including our church attendance, cannot be a casual, occasional, erratic approach. Now, I do hope and pray that you remember a whole lot more than one thing today. So just agree with me that you will remember more than just one thing today. One and a half, two, ten, whatever. That's why we write things down, right? We re-listen to messages. See, your eternity, as well as your current well-being, is nothing to take in a nonchalant attitude. You agree with that? Your eternity is important. Your eternity is your eternity. Your faith in God is, should be paramount in your life. Too many people are taking just a nonchalant attitude to everything, including their faith and including Jesus himself, and we cannot go down that road. So let's get started. As always, let's keep Paul's reasons for writing this letter to the Colossian church in front of us. Jesus is central and supreme to all to all and in all things. Jesus is the Son of God. We are to strive to live a life in Christ. I have been also encouraging you to keep that personal. Make it personal on a day-to-day -day basis. We do that simply rearranging some words and adding some. We turn it into a prayer. Jesus, you are central and supreme to me and in all things in my life. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I will constantly and continually strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior. You believe those things? You guys believe that? You guys pray that? You guys want that in your life? Then I would say implement that into your life. All right, let's get started here. Today we're going to read our entire passage for the day, and then we're going to... Uh, as a whole, and then we're going to just take it and break it down, and we're going to just see what it has for us. I believe it has something for each one of us. So in your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. 
Colossians chapter 2, this is verse 6 and 7 out of the Amplified Bible. It says this, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in, uni- walk in union with him, reflecting his character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin, having been deeply rooted in him and now being continually built up in him and becoming increasingly more established in your faith, just as you were taught and overflowing in it with gratitude. Amen to all of those things. See, we get to this passage in, in Colossians, and it's, it's just, it, it's such a powerful, power-packed passage. And, and if you read it within the context of what, what um, we're going through in this series, these, these two verses fit perfectly between where we have been and where we are going. But for this morning, instead of relating them as a summary verse or, or an introductory verse, let's concentrate on these two verses and how they affect us right now. You guys want to do that? Let's see how these verses can affect our life right now. Verse 6 starts out in a way that once again establishes Paul's encouragement to the faithful believer. It says this, therefore as you have received, that's important, that's an important Introduction. It's important to understand what's going on here. See, Paul is speaking about something the readers already have, something they have already heard, accepted, and actively applied into their life. Unlike many of Paul's other writings, this right here is not an evangelical plea. This is not an evangelical plea to the reader to come to Christ, but rather a statement that allows the reader to position themselves within their own faith of being the recipient or the, the beneficiary of what comes next. So let's see, let's see what comes next. Let's see what they have received. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord... See, Paul is speaking to the specific, set-apart, faithful believers in the Colossian church who have been born again by their acceptance and faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He's targeting a specific group. Remember, there's false teachers that have come against this church. They've raised up inside the church. They're coming against the church. Paul is separating that, the false teachers and the faithful believers. So now he's saying, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord. See, that separates everybody who hasn't. Though Paul wants to bring them into the fold, he's specifically speaking to the faithful believers. And because the Bible is alive and relevant for us today, we can conclude here that he is also speaking to us. So if you're a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're sitting in here today, this is for us. They in the Colossian church, the faithful believers in the Colossian church, and we have received everything that comes with that relationship, including the love, the mercy, and the grace needed to be reconciled with the Father, as well as the Holy Spirit who imparts wisdom and discernment and the fruit of the Spirit that we are to live in and to live by. 
In these opening words, Paul is establishing who we are because we have received Christ Jesus as our Lord. Now with this understanding as to who Paul is addressing, now we can continue with this verse. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk in union with him, reflecting his character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin. Here Paul tells us what we are to do with what we have received. Did you get it? Did you understand that? Paul is telling us what we need to do with what we have received. He's such a pastor. He's such a preacher. He's such a a teacher. He not only wants them to hear it, he wants them to apply it. And we need to understand the pivotal and the essential point that we have just come to that we must apply what we have received. We must put into practice what we now know. And you can sit there and say, well, that's obvious, Pastor. That's easy. You just got to read. Why are you spending so much time on here? The reason I'm spending so much time on here is because I look at the landscape of Christianity today, and there's a lot of people that are not hearing anything. And then there's another group that's hearing things, but that's as far as it goes. And then that group shrinks and shrinks and shrinks to the people who actually hear it and choose to apply it. See, if everybody was hearing and applying, our country wouldn't look the way it looks right now. Our city wouldn't look the way it looks right now. Our schools wouldn't look the way they look right now. And I hate to say it, churches wouldn't look the way they look right now. Number one, we got a hearing problem. Number two, we have a listening problem. Number three, we have an implementing problem. So Paul's Paul's echoing these words. They echo throughout time. They echo all the way into eternity. Here's what you know. Now put it in to practice. Make no mistake of the importance of what Paul is saying here. One of, if not the biggest complaint about Christianity today is simply this. Why do people claim to be a Christian, but they won't or don't want to live out what they profess to believe? Isn't that called a hypocrite? Why, yes. Yes, it is. That's exactly how we would define a person like that. You know what else? You know what else? It's a bad look for the church. It's a bad look for the church. I've said it before. Man, when you're out in the community, when you're at your job, when you're driving down the street and somebody cuts you off, don't hurt the church. Don't make my job harder. Because you got the bumper sticker or you got the shirt on and people are going, see, see, that's a Christian and he's as angry or more angry than everyone else around him. Don't do it. If this happens, 
to hit you a little bit hard this morning? Good. I'm glad. See, as professing born-again believers in Christ, we have, by our profession in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, agreed to be held at a higher standard. It's the standard of Christ. This doesn't make us arrogant or prideful. It's quite the opposite. It requires us to become a humble servant, more worried about people's eternal destination than our own standing in man's eyes. How do we know this to be true? Because we walk in union with Christ. At least we're supposed to walk in union with Christ. See, it's a togetherness that aligns us so closely with Jesus that when people hear us, when they see us, they are hearing and seeing Jesus. You guys agree with that? Okay, well then let me ask you this. How many of you succeed here every single day 100% of the time? Charmaine's the only one. Maybe Charlie, those two. But other, the rest of us, we tend to fall short, don't we? See, no one can do that all the time because no one in here is Jesus. We live in a sinful world. We have temptation. We have the enemy. We just, we, it's like, It's like we're just in this environment surrounded by sin and it's so easy to come against that sin, even in a holy way that we deem holy, but it's not really a holy way. So no one in here can do that 100% of the time, but we should have a desire to do these things. Wouldn't you agree? We should be making an effort to do these things because we have received Christ. We now need to walk in Christ. And to walk in Christ means that... Are you, are you ready for this? You ready? Because this is a big one and it's, it's a hard one and it takes intention and purpose on your part. So, so are you ready? You guys ready? Okay, let's, let's, let's look. To walk in Christ means that you have to die to yourself. You must actually walk away from yourself. Let that one sink in for a second. We know we need to die to ourselves. But we've heard that so much, we kind of just, oh, I need to die to myself. I know, I'm a a good Christian. I know I need to die to myself. But to to put it in the the visual of actually walking away from yourself, we walk away from ourselves so we can walk toward Christ. And we know this to be true from Paul's own words in Galatians 2.20. Probably... Probably my all-time favorite verse of the Bible. I know you hear me say that all the time. But I love Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. That is, in Him I have shared His crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. Walking in Christ means walking both in his resurrection life, but also his sacrificial 
death. And, and, and I, I know people who, who tend to be heavy on one or the other one of those. They're just loving, man, I'm just going to walk in the resurrection life and everything is just wonderful all the time. And they don't want to talk about the sacrificial death part. But on the flip side, I know people who it's all about the sacrificial death and it's like, oh, I just need to die again. I just need to die again. I just need to die again. I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I can't believe. How could the Father forgive me? How could and there's no balance there. See, we gotta we gotta walk in both. We acknowledge and we live in the sacrificial death of Jesus. That's how we're redeemed. That's how we've rejoined a relationship with the Father. But we also walk in the resurrection life. That's what people want to see. They don't want to see the flaky Christians on one side that everything's like roses and unicorns and blessed be to God, everything is great. My life is wonderful. They're sitting there going. What? Their life is wonderful all the time? And then they come to Jesus and realize that's not a reality. And they also don't want the mopey Christian around who can't believe they're actually saved. It's a balance in between, and that's what we can extend. And that's what we can show people around us. The resurrection power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the hope of the world. Why? Because of His sacrificial death. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's a wonderful combination that we are to walk in. And understand, this is by no means a one-time action. Look at Luke 9.23. And he was saying, he being Jesus, right? If it's capitalized, we just know it's Jesus. And he was saying to them all, if anybody wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, Galatians 2.20 right there, and take up his cross daily, expressing a willingness, willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example, in living and, if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Woo, we don't always like that last part, do we? But it all comes together. It's all part of it. See, we cannot, we cannot live a nominal Christian life according to these two verses. Either we live a life in Christ displaying His attributes because they have become our attributes. Compelled to die to those we once were and to live who He created us to be. Genuinely being changed from the inside out or we live a life of hypocrisy. Adding one more black eye on this faith, we pretend to be dear to us. Don't be a Christian poser. Don't walk around talking about how great of a Christian you are, but having no action behind that. Living your life the way you deem it necessary or to the desires that you want. Put that aside or cling to it. You can't have it both ways. If you're a Christian, then live a life of Christian action. We go back to our Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with Him always, reflecting His character always in the things that you do, always and say always, living lives that lead others away from sin. Let me ask you this. 
Are you living a life that reflects the character of Christ, that has the potential to actually lead others away from sin? Oh, there's some responsibility in there, isn't it? So we're to live our life in honor to Christ for several reasons. It's to glorify Him. It's to keep us in a right position and a right relationship with Him. But it's also so that we can lead others away from sin. We don't want to live a lifestyle that, that leads people to sin, do we? Absolutely not. Not if we're a professing Christian. It has to be quite the opposite. See, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Aren't we? Aren't we supposed to be doing that? Because if I'm wrong, please tell me. Again, does the faithful believer ever struggle here? Yes, we do. And we will struggle until we take that step into glory. And you've heard me say this before, is that, that we are all in process. So willingly be in process. Our willingness to be in God's process. See, that's the action. That's the effort that is required of us. I thought grace and mercy meant that it's a, it's a gift I don't deserve and it's a gift that, that I can't earn. And, and it's all about Jesus. And He did everything for us. He did. He did all of those things. Only way of Jesus can we go to heaven and be reconciled with the Father. That is the only way. But Jesus loves us so much He gives us a responsibility as well and that is to follow Him. That is to adhere to Him. That is to put action and effort in our faith, right? Don't be a lazy Christian. Don't be a nominal Christian. Don't be an apathetic Christian. Don't be a Christian because you checked the box. We are Christians because of our desire to follow Christ. Boy, there's a lot in there to consider, isn't there? That's just one verse. There's just a lot in there. But let's keep going. Because now we come to verse 7. Verse 7, having been deeply rooted in Him and now being continually built up in Him and becoming increasingly more established in your faith just as you were taught and overflowing in it with gratitude. See, we have four principles here that Paul is stating. He's, he's showing us four principles. Number, number one, having been deeply rooted in Him. Number two, now being continually built up in Christ. Number three, continually establishing our faith. And number four, overflowing with gratitude. These statements tie together in a once and for all as well as a continual process. We have to understand that, that there's some, there's some principles in the processes that, that are taught in the Word that Jesus teaches that are once and for all. But there's also continual ones, and they intermingle. So there's once and for all and continual. We are, we are instantly sanctified, but we are also progressively sanctified. Sanctified just means 
becoming holy. So how can we be instantly holy, but progressively holy? It's the, it's the amazing faith journey that Jesus puts us on. So listen to the process. We have been rooted in Christ, right? He is the atoning sacrifice that brings us into a relationship with himself. That original foundation is established when we initially come to Christ and we believe in our heart and profess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. We, at that point, are saved, right? That's, our, that's where we get this idea of being saved. We have been saved from the darkness of sin and death and an eternal separation from Jesus Christ that, that we call hell. Right, That happens at that first time, that initial time, we become rooted in Jesus. Look at Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. See, there's intention, there's action, there's theology, there's thought process. It all comes together. But we need to both believe in our heart, but we also need to confess with our mouth. At that point, we are rooted in Christ. See, we are literally moved from the darkness of sin and death into the kingdom of light and thus deeply rooted in Christ whereby we can now begin to grow in Christ. You ever see a tree grow without any roots? I haven't. You know why? Because it can't get any nutrients and when the wind blows, it'll fall right over. So there's a principle here, this understanding, this visualization of, of actually being rooted, deep roots in Christ. So those, those things that, that come against us in this world that blow, the storms that come, we are rooted in Christ and we can withstand those things all the while drawing the nutrients that we need to continue to live in Christ from Christ Himself. The growth in Christ means being continually built up in Christ and understanding as well as living in accordance with this glorious revelation. See, we don't just become rooted in Christ and are good with that. We become rooted in Christ and we continually grow in Christ. Look at 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It's a process we've been called out and we are to live in that. And in so doing, by continually being built up in Christ, our faith is continually being established in Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7. So then, being always filled with good courage and confident hope. I mean, you guys want some courage and confident hope. And knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. We are rooted in Christ. We have to be. We are built up in Christ. We continue to be. 
As a result, our faith is developed, it's strengthened, it's reinforced. Understanding that there is much more than today, the here and the now. Our faith instills in us a confidence that, that though we exist in this worldly realm right now, we are eternally His and destined for an endless life with Jesus. If you believe that, then we need to live a life in accordance with that. And of course, when we take all this in and we combine all these together, how can we not be overflowing in gratitude? Gratitude toward the Lord. Gratitude to the one who establishes, extends, and advances everything. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be be unceasing and persistent in prayer in every situation, no matter what the circumstance. Be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. We've talked about this before. We're to pray, we're to acknowledge, we're to rejoice, and we're to give thanks. When? One time, when we get saved, then we're good. No every day, multiple times a day, multiple times an hour, we should be thankful, we should rejoice, we should delight, we should be carrying on that conversation with Jesus on a day-to-day basis, an hour-to-hour basis. Sometimes we we think of prayer in a way that, that is not accurate. We start out with prayer, we can use the, the Lord's Prayer as a model prayer, to get started, but, but we open that up in the morning and we carry beautiful conversation on all day without ceasing. Lord, help me get a parking place. Lord, thank you for this that you have provided. for. Lord, I, I see this person on the side of the road. I don't know them. I don't know what's going on in their life, but I feel an impression to pray for them, right? It's, it's unceasing, giving thanks to God that he loves you so much that he gives you that ability, right? We rejoice in those things. We rejoice. We rejoice that we get to come to church on Sunday morning, right? We rejoice that we get to hang out with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We rejoice that there's a potluck next Sunday. Not simply because of the food, but simply because we get to hang out with each other. And we get to talk about Jesus and what he is doing in our life. Oh, the joy of being a faithful follower in Christ. Now, though we understand these words contained in these verses are written to the faithful believers in the Colossian church, we also understand and we take heart in receiving these same words personally for each one of us. Isn't that what's so wonderful about the Bible? We're, we're, we're reading a, a letter that Paul had to write to the faithful believers in the Colossian church because of issues of false teachings that were going on in that church 2,000 and some years ago. And yet it's alive for us today. And yet it challenges us today. And yet it confirms things in us today. And yet it brings security and confidence to us 
today. Get in the Word. If you're struggling in your faith, if you're struggling in this life, get in the Word. This morning in a few minutes, worship team, if you guys want to leisurely start coming up here. This morning we are going to take part in the act, or I'm going to say it this way, the action of communion. And within its symbolism, what we're actually doing is we are participating in the promise of God. And it's a beautiful act. It really is. But like I said before, it's so important to, to be prepared for communion. And how do, we, how do we get prepared for communion? Well, you get your heart right with God. Our only requirement here, you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to do any of those things. You don't have to take a class. You don't have to do a ceremony or anything like that. The only thing that, that you have to do to participate in communion with this body of believers is simply be in the body of believers. And that's acknowledging Christ as your Lord and Savior in your life. See, that's the number one thing we need to do to prepare to take communion. But there's other things, and Paul talks about other things. We, we can't be holding unforgiveness in our heart. We can't be, be involved in willful sin. See, things like that, they, they make communion, they take communion and they, they lessen it. They misrepresent communion. They, they uh, yeah, don't do that. We're warned not to do those things. And maybe you're sitting here right now saying, oh man, man, I screamed at my husband on the way to church today. Or I got mad last night, or I did something last night I, I shouldn't have. I guess that, that excludes me from taking communion this morning. No, it doesn't. Because we have a time between right now and actually taking communion. And we have a holy Lord, a powerful Lord, that is saying, give it to me. Give it to me. And what we do is we, we come before Jesus and, and we confess our sins. And when we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us of those things. So if you're holding anything in your heart, if you're involved in anything right now, please address those issues. We're going to sing a song. We're going to get in line. That's how we do it here. you got to come forward. you got to make that action. We're not going to serve you communion you're going to get up and actively come up and take communion and we're going to take it we're going to go back to our seats and we're going to do it as a body of believers it's a it's a wonderful visual but get right get right before you take this communion put that action into into your hearing see we acknowledge this morning that we are rooted in Christ such great symbolism with communion that, that we acknowledge that, that we are truly rooted in Christ. And we acknowledge that we are being progressively built up in Christ. And that's a, that's a wonderful visual right there. Establishing our faith. Part of taking communion, part of the act of getting up and actually taking it and believing and, and, and getting right before you actually grab it, praying, repenting, taking it to God. That's, that's, that's part of what helps establish our faith. You, you want to leave here today truly different than when you came in. You want to leave here today more built up in Christ than, than you came in. At least that should be your desire. So we establish our faith 
And we do it with an overflowing gratitude. How many of you guys are thankful and show gratitude to Jesus on a daily basis? Probably we don't do it enough, right? Jesus is the best. He does all this for me. Well, then thank him for it. Show gratitude toward him for it. So we do all these things. That is, if we are actually willing to put forth the effort to do all these things. Jesus did it all. And all he's asking is for us to come and rely and have a relationship with him. See, we must remember it's not enough to talk the talk. We must also, also walk the walk. So this morning, time to get right with God, to put action to your words, to get put action to your hearing. Get right with God, talk the talk, and walk the walk. So so let's do this just that as we as we enter back into this time of worship. I want you guys to, to get with God however that needs to be. Maybe you need to get with somebody to pray with somebody. We have people here that, that are willing to pray with you, to walk with you, to do all of those things. And then when you're ready, come on up. Not because everybody else is coming and you don't want to be in the back of the line. We've, we've got plenty. Take your time. We will wait for you. But when the time is right, come on forward. Receive your elements. Take them back to your seat. And then we will take them together. Amen. Everybody stand up. Let's let's worship. Let's reflect. Let's go before God. And let's receive. It says, I will put my trust in you alone. God loves us so much. He gives us a will that is free. That means that if we don't want to put our trust in him alone, we don't have to. He doesn't make us do anything. He invites us to do things. Now, if you're made to do something, you don't really have to put forth any effort, decision, or action to that. You don't have a choice to do it. However, if we are invited in, then we do have to put that decision, that effort, and that action in order to trust in Him alone. The whole point of today's message is effort and action. Are we putting it in there? Is God's Word falling on deaf ears? Are we hearing it, but we're hearing it with everything else? Or are we actually hearing it, putting it into effect, employing those things, and putting action to those things to the point that other people around us see those things and it's helping them resist sin. It's, it's, it's people saying, man, there's just something different about you. There's something different about how you live your life that makes me wonder and it makes me question things. See, that's where we're supposed to be as a church. Just like putting action and effort and decision into this process that we call communion. See, the, you guys know this. The biggest, the biggest thing I have against communion in churches is, is it becomes such a repetitive thing that we just do. We just do it. Oh, it's the second Sunday of the month. We're going to do communion, and people just go through the motions, and we kind of put it as a sideshow over here. 
This symbolic act is never a sideshow because of what it represents. So don't take communion today just simply because it is here. Take communion today because of what Jesus has done and is doing in your life. Amen. There's symbolism with these elements. No, we don't believe they actually become the, the body and the blood of Christ. That's not our theology. That's not in our doctrine. But what we do believe is that, is that there is symbolism here. And they represent certain things that are important for us to not only believe in, but also to live out. First Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, Paul Paul talks about this. He, he says this. He's, he's saying that it's in response because the Corinthian church was in error or they were misrepresenting or they were mistreating communion. So he has to come back and he has to reteach them. And that's, that's important for us today because sometimes we need to be retaught things that we've just been doing all along in our life. And Jesus is saying, I'm, not a, I'm just not repetition. I'm relationship. I'm not rote, I'm alive. Paul says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, the bread represents the fact, the reality that he was broken for you. That he went to the cross for you. That he died for you in order to regain relationship with the Father. So we look to this bread and, and yeah, it's good bread tastes good. It's nourishing bread. That's in a physical way. But we look to it with the spiritual implication that Jesus died for you. He died for you because he loved you. He died for you because he didn't want you to stay in the sinful lifestyle that you were living in. So when we proclaim and take this bread, what we're really doing is we're saying, Jesus, I am rooted in you and in your sacrificial death. Jesus, thank you so much that you willingly went to that cross and died for me. Died for each one of us. Lord, this is personal to me. Thank you for dying for me so that I didn't have to continue to live the lifestyle of sin that I and everyone else has always been caught up in. But Lord God, you made you made a way where there was no way. By your beating, by your broken body, by your sacrificial death, Lord God, you have opened up a relationship with both you and the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you believe that, go ahead and take your bread. And then Paul is affirming the words of Jesus and, and, and this this idea, this concept that, that the blood of Jesus actually establishes a new covenant, right? See, we're under a new covenant. We're not under the old covenant, the pre-Jesus covenant, the, the law. And thank God we're not under the law because 
None of us could adhere to the law. That's why there the need for Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. When he made that sacrifice by his blood, a new covenant was established. And it's a wonderful covenant. It's a glorious covenant. It's a beautiful covenant. It's the gospel covenant. And that is what we acknowledge with this. See, Jesus died on the cross, but Jesus didn't stay dead on the cross. He didn't stay dead in the tomb. There's resurrection life. That is new covenant. So we celebrate that new covenant with the symbolic drinking of this juice. Jesus, once again, Lord God, Lord, we thank you so much for the new covenant that we can live a victorious life through you. Lord, that we can walk in your authority, that we can display your love, that we can speak your words. Lord God, the new covenant is a wonderful and a beautiful thing. And we take this, Lord, we take this together this morning as your body, as your bride. And we do this as we continually look forward to your return. We continually look forward to you coming back to get your church. Lord, let your will be done. If you believe that, go ahead and take your juice. So we do these things. We put action to these things because of what we believe in, correct? So let's not only leave it here this morning, but let's take these things to the streets, to the workplace, to our community. Let us live out what we truly believe. Let us display Jesus in our life. Father, give us the boldness to live a life in accordance with you. Give us the wisdom and the discernment through the Holy Spirit to evaluate every opportunity and situation. Holy Spirit, grant us the words to speak. And Lord God, help us to be an appropriate representation of you in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. Jesus, we proclaim your name you come again we live in the power of your name and we lift your name on high we pray this very prayer in your name jesus and everyone shout it out amen thank you for being here today and partaking in this and worship and communion with us be blessed hang out talk to each other love on each other remember next sunday we got our last Sunday's plug. Bring extra and we will have guests. Be blessed. You guys are dismissed. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.